This episode is brought to you by Advanced Energy Economy. AEE is an organization of businesses using policy advocacy, analysis, and education to bring about a prosperous economy based on secure, clean, affordable energy. And if you like this episode, you should consider attending Advanced Energy Economy's first annual Western Regional Energy Policy Conference in Scottsdale, Arizona, October 16th and 17th. To learn more, visit advancedenergynow.org west. Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, brought to you by North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. I'm your host, Ben Stockdale. I am coming to you live and direct from Richmond, Virginia, where I'm in attendance at the Advanced Energy Now East Conference, presented by Advanced Energy Economy. We have got an awesome bonus episode of Squeaky Clean, where I was able to interview some of the top clean energy leaders on the planet. Google, Tesla, Oracle, Microsoft, UPS, Amazon, these were just some of the names represented at this crucial conference. Beyond that, clean energy leaders from state governments of New York, Virginia, Florida, and North Carolina were all weighing in, as well as a keynote address from U.S. Representative Donald McEachin. In this bonus episode, I'll be sharing some of the key conversations I had with these movers and shakers in the clean energy industry. Without further ado, I'm bringing you right into Advanced Energy Now, East Coast Edition. Good morning, everyone. My name is Prasanna Venkatesan, and I'm very thrilled to be here. And me, along with my fellow board members, welcome you to Advanced Energy Economy's first regional town hall meeting. My name is Prasanna Venkatesan. I'm the president and CEO of Landis and Gear Americas. And we're a company that builds smart meters, smart infrastructure, grid analytics, and other software for, for electric utilities. I'm really looking forward to seeing how smart meters are going to improve data access for customers at home. How are smart meters going to change the relationship that consumers have to their energy in the household? Yeah, so today, most of the data that we collected is owned by the utility, and they provide various consumer engagement programs. But as we put more and more sensors inside the house, it gives the customer, like myself, which is a which 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 we which I have more, more ability in terms of how I can look at the information that I get from my from my utility and be able to actually participate in this energy uh, revolution. Persona, it was great to meet you, and thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much, Ben. It was great great to talk with you. My name is Nat Kramer, I'm the CEO of Advanced Energy Economy, and we represent an entire ecosystem of companies that are providing energy and transportation that is clean, secure, and affordable. Nat, as you probably know, NCSEA played a role in the formation of Advanced Energy Economy. Can you give us a bit of of background on AEE, and what have you been up to recently? Sure. Um, So, Advanced Energy Economy really has two parts of what we do, and I think of it as 
Uh, one is that we're helping change minds by educating policymakers predominantly about what is possible with technologies uh, that make up um, the clean economy. The second piece is then advocating for changes in laws and regulation that opens markets and expands the value of that so that advanced energy companies, um, frankly, can compete. And, that, and, and more, more and more these days, advanced energy technologies are more cost effective and bring uh, many other benefits than incumbent fossil commodities. And what are some of those technologies that you're most excited about right now? Well, I think one of the challenges of the clean economy and clean technology is that it has been defined as price competition with commodities. And what that has meant is industries in the clean economy have had to scale up uh, and, and uh, be high scale, low margin, um, and that is challenging. Um, uh, You've seen fantastic successes in terms of creating societal value, value for customers and industries like that. I clearly have spent a lot of time in the U.S. solar industry, having been the chair of it, uh, co-founder of Sunrun, sold the first Resi PPA, uh, and and leading a number of businesses in that in that market. And um, uh, but the reality is. Um, when you're able to create a lot of value and drive adoption is when you have a want product. And what I mean that by that is that a customer is willing to pay you a premium or is willing to adopt faster because the value to them is in excess of whatever um, the pure economic utility is. So let me give you an example. Cosmetics are a want product. People want them because they want to look good. Um, uh, 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 toothpaste is a need product. Right, um, uh, cars are so much about our uh, individuality, our freedom, what it means to be in many ways American and part of our culture. Um, they are want products, make no mistake. And so I'm really excited about what I view as the next wave of really big want products that are about to come uh, to, to, to that are going to come into our economy. Um, and I think that's electrified transportation. Um, if you look at electrified transportation, um, the cars are soon, electric cars are going to soon going to cost as much to buy initially as gasoline cars. Um, they will, uh, they, they cost half as much to maintain. Uh, you can run them on power, independent of source, for 20% of what it costs on gasoline. That will crush gasoline's economics, especially as a high-scale levered industry in the oil business. Um, but it's more than that, because the electric car is quiet. It is uh, lightning fast, and I'm a car buff. I mean, crazy fast. 911 Turbo S fast. It, it, is, <laughs> yeah. it, is, it is wonderful. So it's incredibly well-balanced. It pull that those, that Tesla pulls as many G's on a skid pad for handling as uh, a half million dollar Ferrari. Um, it has fantastic braking. It's incredibly quiet, and it's four wheel drive. So the things that make a car awesome and make car buffs want it—that's what electric cars come with built in. I can give you other examples of other technologies I'm excited about. But I think that this will fundamentally, the, the electric car and the convergence of the transportation system and the energy system is going to fundamentally catapult 
the, the clean and advanced economy forward in a dramatic way. It'll be, it'll be like the explosion of solar that people didn't expect, um, uh, but by multiples. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having this conference, and we are excited to be here. Great. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. I'm Michelle Patron. I am in charge of sustainability policy at Microsoft, so I lead all of our energy and environmental regulatory work. Michelle, how does advanced computing increase energy efficiency, and what other cutting-edge technologies is Microsoft using to achieve your clean energy goals? So... We are a growing energy consumer, and it's important for us to make sure that we are doing that as low carbon as possible. So we've set ambitious goals to get more of that from renewable. Uh, Right now we're focused on 70% by 2023, with the ultimate goal of of being 100%. But we're also really focused on a a whole bunch of other technologies, uh, including behind the meter technologies like storage and fuel cells, but also how advanced computing can, can play an important role. Uh, we've seen this firsthand on our own campus, which is the size of, of a small city, 50,000 employees there, 100 buildings in Redmond. Uh, and we've used sensors to collect information on lighting and air conditioning and space utilization to be able to provide us insights on how we can reduce our energy use uh, across the entire building footprint. And what we've seen is that we've been able to do a reduction of about 15% of our energy use, which is translated to something around $10 million a year in electricity costs. So there's huge potential here, not just in buildings, but also across the entire grid, uh, interconnections, being able to put dispatch more clean energy, um, and transportation, the whole entire uh, economy, basically. You talked about alignment internally as being important in moving forward on clean energy for organizations. How do Microsoft's clean energy goals align with the interests of your customers? So our customers are are increasingly interested in making sure that their supply chains are green and that they are as low carbon as possible. And so to the extent that our cloud services, which customers around the country, around the world are using, are are helping them achieve their energy and climate goals is important. And that's why uh, being able to do 100% clean energy, having really robust carbon goals, reducing uh, by 75% by 2030, and we actually have an internal carbon tax that we charge our business units. And all of those things um, are then able to to be used by by our customers to be able to know that they are using products that have a very low carbon footprint. Michelle, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rick Cunahan, Head of Energy Regulatory Affairs for Google. Google achieved its 100% renewable energy goal in 2017, including data centers and offices. They're the largest corporate buyer of clean energy in the world with 2.6 gigawatts of wind and solar energy. And their ultimate goal is to, quote, create a world where everyone, not just Google, has access to clean energy. Rick, I want to live in that world. How do we get there? Well, uh, thank you for recognizing all the hard work that Google's done to uh, procure renewable energy. We have a, a very large and very uh, skilled team in our data center group that uh, negotiates those uh, contracts. Um, and it's hard. In the United States, regulation is state by state. Different states have different policies. And so there's not one, a- one answer to uh, your question. It, you, one really has to look state by state and um, uh, you know, work with the individual states. The vast majority of Google's renewable energy purchases are in wind energy, and in North Carolina, there's a bill in the Senate that just passed the Senate that would ban all new wind energy projects in 66 of North Carolina's 100 counties. 
What kind of signal does that send to Google? Well, I, I think that sends a negative signal to any company that would like to locate in North Carolina and uh, help develop renewable energy in North Carolina for their own use. Uh, you know, everybody, all companies have an option to locate in different states. And, you know, things like that are a disincentive to a company like ours. And there are many like ours who want to um, have 100% renewable energy for their facilities. And what are some regulatory trends that you're seeing across the country that are important to helping businesses achieve their clean energy goals? Again, every state is different. Some states are um, directing their utilities to create tariffs that any company could take advantage of. So, for example, Google's big and we can negotiate one-off contracts, but not every company can do that, particularly mid-sized companies and smaller companies. So um, a number of states have uh, uh, created the opportunity for their utilities to create tariffs that a company that wanted to come to their state and get 100% renewable energy could take service under that tariff and doesn't have to negotiate their own um, unique one-off contract. And so um, we see a trend more and more going in that direction in some states. What are you most excited about that Google's working on in, this, in the clean energy landscape? Well, I'm actually most excited about um, the uh, proliferation of smart technology in the home. Uh, because I think that can save consumers a lot of money and energy. And examples are the Nest Learning thermostat. But beyond that, Google Assistant uh, can be uh, a hub in the home to control more than just the thermostat. So if you have Google Assistant uh, in your home, uh, you know, you can control your lights, you can control your thermostat, you can control a variety of different appliances, and therefore make sure you're using energy when you need it and you're not using it when you don't need it. Rick, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me. My name is Ali Rotatori. I'm a senior associate at the Rocky Mountain Institute. Um, and for the past two and a half years, I've been helping both corporates and cities with their renewable energy procurement. What kind of commitments are corporations making in relation to clean energy? Um, so a lot of them are generally making 100% renewable energy commitments. Some of them are time-bound, so 2030, 2050. Some of them are kind of broader. Um, you see kind of more advanced corporations like Google who hit their 100% renewable energy commitment a year and a half ago, now trying to aim for kind of on an hourly basis actually uh, replacing its of energy it's using in that hour with renewable energy, so kind of thinking more advanced. Um, but there are generally kind of some percentage of your electricity or energy usage to be met with renewables. Do you see a difference in rationale between corporations and cities making the commitment? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think that's one of the things that differentiates the two is buyers. Um, cities are obviously beholden to their constituents. Um, and so we see in that space, some cities don't even talk about the renewable benefits or the carbon benefits as the reason they're doing renewable energy. Some, for the, some of them, it's workforce development, um, health benefits. And so the kind of co-benefits or ancillary benefits that come along with the renewable energy procurement are even more important than the renewable energy itself um, for some cities. Whereas for corporates, the ancillary benefits are, are definitely helpful and talked about, but it's more of a side uh, afterthought than the renewable energy procurement is what they're really there to do. Um, whereas I think for the cities, it's sometimes it's more of a mix. What are you most excited about when it comes to cities and corporations achieving these goals? So for me, um, I think the cities are kind of where the corporates were a few years ago. Corporate renewable market has grown 
insanely fast. I think in 2010, there were a few players, a few deals a year, you know, less than a gigawatt. Um, this past year in 2018, there were six and a half gigawatts of renewables procured just by corporates. Um, and cities, I think, are kind of at that uh, space where they're about to start the snowball effect where once kind of these few big deals get done, then the um, people who are really interested who haven't been able to move as quickly can learn from those uh, first cities. And so the Philadelphia's, Cincinnati's, DC's, and Houston's who have done these large scale uh, deals are really um, kind of helping the rest of the market learn and learn from their both mistakes and their wins um, and will help drive it forward. So I do really see this, um, the communities coming together and I'm very excited to see kind of new cities uh, piling on and following in the footsteps of some of the first movers. Allie, thanks so much for being on the pod. Amazing. Thank you for having me. I'm Matt Stanbury. I'm a managing director at Advanced Energy Economy. Matt, what were some of your key takeaways from today's conference? So today brought for me just a wide breadth of activity happening across uh, the eastern part of the United States and some really interesting stories that you don't necessarily hear about every day when you think about uh, clean energy development. Um, we heard stories of really uh, interesting policy development in Virginia, in North Carolina, uh, some in Florida. Um, and, uh, you know, each story is a little bit different, but uh, there's, uh, there's clearly clean energy progress happening in many of the states, if not all of the states, uh, of different types across the East Coast of the United States. So you moderated a panel on EVs that I was lucky enough to be able to attend. EVs hot right now. What are some of the key developments that we need to know about? So a couple of things. Um, the in increasing engagement of utilities uh, in transportation electrification uh, is key. One of the things that we know about this space is that charging infrastructure is critical. The market data indicates that charging infrastructure right now is lagging uh, EV deployment. Um, and EV deployment's growing really rapidly, right? Uh, in the United States, we had 81% growth uh, in EV sales last year. Um, and so there's a significant amount of infrastructure to build out. Um, and utilities uh, know that electrical infrastructure build out business uh, better than anybody. Um, and so their engagement in this space of different forms, not necessarily just building infrastructure, uh, but engaging uh, their customers in electrification is really important for the space. And that's one thing that came through in the two uh, electrification sessions, uh, both mine and the one earlier in the day today. Um, that's one takeaway. Another thing that we heard was that um, as commissions and utility commissions engage uh, more in um, dealing with EV regulatory issues, um, rate design is a critical issue. And there are different considerations depending on what portion of the EV market you're looking at. Fle medium and heavy duty fleets uh, have operating characteristics that have to be taken into account that are different than a residential consumer. Um, and so as commissions are, are now digging into these topics and they're getting into the nitty gritty issues that are critical like uh, rate design, 
uh, they need to be aware of the different segments of the market um, and the needs and challenges in those segments. Matt, going forward, what are you most excited about in, in the world of clean energy? So you said it, uh, electric vehicles are hot. Um, that's not a blip. Um, this is, uh, we're, we're doing a lot of work in this space uh, and uh, this is a long-term trend. Um, if you look at the economics, uh, you know, uh, electric vehicles are, you could think about them as the largest consumer device we've ever dealt with, <laughs> right? Um, so you're really dealing with uh, consumer adoption patterns. Um, and you know, if you look at the history of technology adoption, that can go incredibly quickly. Um, and so we're at the precipice of a really rapid transformation, um, and that's exciting. Um, and there are gonna be bumps and curves in that road, um, but there's no question that the transportation space is changing fundamentally in multiple ways. It's not just electrification, it's, it's obviously there are other mega trends that are, uh, that are shaping, reshaping the system uh, as well, if you look at the sharing economy, if you look at autonomous technology. But certainly electrification uh, is one of those megatrends that is reshaping transportation. And of course, when it comes to transportation electrification, it has fundamental implications for the electrical system. So you really have a reshaping of two major sectors uh, simultaneously, and that's always exciting. Matt, thanks so much for being on the show. All right, thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. What's the path to 100% clean energy in the West? Advanced Energy Economy's first annual Western Regional Energy Policy Conference brings together business leaders and policymakers from across the region to identify ways to achieve this goal state by state and through a regional grid powered by advanced energy growth from New Mexico to Washington State. This conference is in Scottsdale, Arizona, October 16th to the 17th, and we highly recommend that you attend. To learn more, visit advancedenergynow.org west. This has been a bonus episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, live at Advanced Energy Now East. I'd like to thank the awesome staff at AEE for their help on this episode, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. Come back next episode for our regularly scheduled programming. Episode 4 of Squeaky Clean will feature Mark Fleming of Conservatives for Clean Energy, and we'll be having a discussion on the conservative perspective on clean energy. Are you new to the pod? Please like, follow, subscribe, review, and press any button that allows you to support the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, delivering the latest in clean energy right to your ears. 